Well, good morning, church. It is so wonderful to be with you this morning in this beautiful space and on this beautiful day. And if you were fortunate enough to be with us last week in this same beautiful space, you might recall that Pastor Dave kicked off our brand new sermon series called, Can I Really Ask That? Um, And so uh, we're hoping to be able to partner with Alpha, who also launched this week, to be able to provide a space and an opportunity for us to engage in conversation and to sometimes difficult conversations and to be able to ask sometimes difficult difficult questions. Because what we've discovered is that that's kind of hard for some of us. Some of us find it difficult to ask questions within the church. Um, and so we want to provide that. And it's, it's really interesting that um, that's become difficult for us because the very first churches were most likely a place where that was supposed to happen. I mean, we read about it throughout the Old Testament where these baby Christians, these Jewish and Gentile converts would come to the church to ask big questions. Questions like, what does this mean to be born again? You know, what, what is this life that we're supposed to live with? How is this going to be different? How are we to preserve our life when there are so many around us that want to persecute us and and prosecute us? But they also had practical questions, right? Like, do we have to sell everything we own just to be one of these Jesus followers? Do we live communally? Do we, um, are there certain people we can hang out with or we can't hang out with, right? Um, All of, you know, do we have to change our diet? Um, Do we have to get baptized? Do we have to get circumcised? These were big questions that they were asking, right? But 2,000 years later, 2,000 plus years later, it seems like we're hesitant to ask questions, particularly in the church. And why? And furthermore, where are we supposed to go to get our answers today? Do we go to our government to provide those answers? Maybe we, we refer to our talk show hosts and our news anchors for those. Maybe we consult spiritual gurus Or maybe we should ask politicians because clearly they have all the answers these days, right? Yeah, I wouldn't suggest that. But it's, you know, so none of those options sound very good to me. Do they sound good to you? Well, this morning we are going to take um, an unusual look at a very familiar passage of Scripture to many of us that's found in the Gospel of Luke in hopes of being able to chart a path towards seeking answers. But I can sense your excitement this morning to jump right into this Can I Ask This series. And so on that same vein, I would like to ask if you would please pray with and for me. Gracious God, you know it is my deepest desire to be an instrument in your work here on earth. And so I pray that this morning that you will give us inquisitive minds, playful spirits, and humble hearts. And Lord, I pray that this morning that you would speak through me. But if that is not possible, Lord, I pray that you still speak, but you do so in spite of me. Amen. So I'm about to tell you a story that could possibly change your life, because it certainly did mine. It's about a story that happened, um, it's actually about a conversation that occurred between three travelers that started with two questions and ended with one epic Bible study that would open eyes and change hearts forever. So, it happened on that Passover. 
You know the one I'm talking about, right? It was the one that everybody near and around Jerusalem was talking about. But the only difference between all that chatter and all those other people is that me and my brother Cleopas, we were there. We saw it. In fact, we, we knew him. We gave up everything we owned. We even gave it away if we had to, just to be able to follow this man. And for three years we did, and, and we saw incredible things. This man, he taught with such authority. He performed miracles, like feeding thousands and thousands and thousands of people with just a couple morsels that we found in some kid's lunch. My favorite, he turned water into wine. Good wine. This man was incredible. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. He even had command over the weather. He was amazing. Incredible. Which makes the, the, the circumstances of what happened over those last three days even that more tragic. Now, I'm not proud of this part of the story. But me and Cleopas, we were getting out of Jerusalem. We were scared. And who could blame us? Look at what they did to Jesus. Look at what, what would they do to his followers. The eleven were still locked up behind closed doors in the upper room. So Cleopas and me, we headed out of Dodge. And on that, we waited for two days. But on that third day, we got out of there. And we went to our village, our home, Emmaus. Has anybody ever heard of Emmaus in here? You haven't heard of Emmaus? Well, it's about seven miles from Jerusalem, and ladies, you would love our, our uh, youth restoring hot springs for sure. But what we're really known for is the great battle that occurred between our people and the secular empire. Of course, it happened centuries ago, but we were destined to lose. I mean, everything, the cards were stacked against us. We, we were outnumbered. We had no artillery. We didn't have any cavalry. We didn't even have swords or shields. But our, our leaders, they were wise. And rather than calling in some military tactician or, or some you know, other armies to defend us, our leaders, they went to our holy book. They consulted with God and then they put all their trust in our God. And we prevailed. We won the battle. It was amazing. An amazing experience and, and one that we're very proud of, our history. But as... Cleopas and I were making our way down this road towards home. We were, of course, talking about all the things that had happened over the last week. We were still, like, kind of couldn't believe it, disbelief, distraught. We were sad, very sad. But as we're walking along and we're talking about these things, all of a sudden this stranger appears to us, and he nears us and he says, What is it that you are talking about? As you walk along, well, we were talking about what everybody was talking about. It would be like um, if you were in New York City on September 12, 2001, and a stranger came up to you and said, what are you guys talking about? Everybody was talking about what was going on. So Cleopas responded to this stranger with a question, total tactic he learned from Jesus, by the way. And he said to him, he said, are you the only person in, in Jerusalem that does not know what happened these days. Well, 
Evidently, this stranger did not know because he responded to him and he, with a question, which was a response to the original question that the stranger asked, and then he said, what things? Well, in hopes of breaking this roundabout question experience, I interjected and I said, hello, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. Some people thought he was Moses. Some even thought he was Jeremiah. But our priests, our leaders turned him over to be, to be condemned to death. And then they incited the crowds, our people, to yell, crucify him, crucify him. Our Jesus, he died a sinner's death, but he didn't do anything wrong. And you don't understand. We had hoped that he was the one. You know what I'm talking about. The one that was going to redeem Israel, that was going to restore our nation, was going to get back our lands. It was going to give us back our freedom and our dignity. But Jesus, he didn't even protest. He didn't even fight back. He didn't even defend himself. It's almost as if he knew this was coming. But it had been three days. And so we thought that was it. But that third day was a very strange day because some of the women in our group, they got up very early in the morning and they went to go visit his grave. I didn't go. I'm not a morning person. But they went. And what they discovered, they came back and reported to us, is that Jesus was missing. He wasn't there. And then, get this, they said, the angels had visited him and told them that Jesus was alive. Now, between you and me, I totally believe the whole missing Jesus thing. But, you know how men are. They had to go check it out for themselves. So they ran back to the, to the tomb, discovered that they were, indeed, Jesus was, was, was missing, and they reported that back to us. Now, this was a very interesting experience because as I'm telling this story to this stranger, he interrupts me, and he says, How foolish you are. How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. I was like, What? Who are you to say this to us? Don't you know how long we've been waiting for our land back, for our nation to be restored, for our people to be on top again? Doesn't he know? And furthermore, where was he when they crucified my Lord? But then he interrupted me again in my indignation and he said, Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Okay, at this point we're just annoyed, Cleopas and me. Okay. So... We try to shake this guy, like we're, we're making our way to Emmaus, but he wouldn't leave us. He persisted. And as we're journeying down our, the road to Emmaus, this stranger, he takes us on a totally different journey. A journey back through scripture. Scriptures we just thought we knew. And we knew scripture. I mean, Cleopas and I, ever since we were little kids, our parents were dragging us to synagogue to memorize Torah. We knew scripture. But this was different. He went all the way back to Moses and all the prophets. And he explained everything about the, our Messiah in, that was revealed in our scriptures. And then he went on a different tack. He started talking about blood sacrifices. I know, ooh, right? And again, he went all the way back. All the way back to Genesis when our God had to slay an innocent animal 
in order to provide a hide to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. And he went back to all the, the blood sacrifices that our people have made over the ages. All the way back from Abel to uh, uh, Noah, all the way to the Day of Atonement. And he said, just like those innocent animals that had to be slain and their blood had to be shed to cover the sins of our people, so too would our Messiah have to be slain and his blood be shed to cover the sins of me, Cleopas, and you. As we neared our village of, of, of Emmaus, we were very concerned that this stranger was going to leave us because we wanted more. We wanted more of what he was telling us. So we urged him, we strongly urged him to stay with us. We told him, of course, they used the excuse that night was falling, the day was almost over. Thankfully, he agreed. And then what happened next is something that Cleopas and I never saw coming, literally. This stranger that we invited in our home as a guest now took the role of host. Obviously, we were exhausted and tired and hungry from a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem all the way to Emmaus. So we sat down, and he took the bread that was on the table... He broke the bread, and then he blessed the bread. His blessing started something like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Cleopas and I looked at each other under bowed heads, and we were like, we've heard this before. We've heard this prayer. We heard this prayer from our Jesus only days before. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As the stranger ended his prayer, his blessing of this bread, he gave a piece to Cleopas, and then he gave a piece to me. And it was as if our eyes were wide open. We recognized him. It was Jesus. We were sitting across the table from risen Jesus. The women were right as usual. He was alive. We had been journeying with Jesus this whole time. It's as if our eyes prevented us from seeing him. We were elated, ecstatic. We jumped up on our feet and to embrace him. And just like that, he had disappeared. Once, of course, we had come to our senses, we, we, we looked at each other. And we said, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? When we went from knowing to understanding. When this stranger's words were suddenly found in the, the God's living word and now lives within us and I hope within you too. I hope you can sense how much I love this passage of scripture. I mean, it's first of all, it's a great story, right? I mean, it's got all the good pieces and parts. But I also love this story because it reminds me that I need to go to scripture to find answers to my most seemingly endless questions. One of my questions that I had just from this passage of text, and maybe you have it too, is why wouldn't Jesus just reveal himself 
As soon as he met up with these two souls, these lost souls, well, I think, and maybe some of you educators in here would agree, that Jesus being the great teacher, he knows the value of really good questions. Has anybody had a really good teacher in college or high school? No one? Okay, good. Well, you know that good teachers ask provocative questions, right? Because provocative questions, they solicit self-examination. Provocative questions tell us what we know, but more importantly, they tell us what we don't know. And they help us to articulate our dilemma. These kinds of questions, they they stir within us a hunger. And we know that an answer that is sought after, pursued, wrestled with, and chased down is far more valuable and believable than an an answer that is just easily given. And we see this this kind of truth-seeking all throughout Jesus' ministry. In fact, he fostered the hunger and the curiosity of his disciples. That's why he loved to engage in conversation and ask questions. Just like we saw with he and Cleopas and his companion. And the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, are replete with examples of this question and answering time. You know, from Abraham to the psalmist to Peter, Paul, Mary, and Nicodemus, and so many more. So knowing this, this inquisitive part of our Judeo-Christian heritage, why are we so reluctant to ask questions and to engage in conversation? Personally, I think that maybe it's because we're concerned that the answer that we get to those questions might not fit in with our narrative. It might not fit into our culture or our plan. Could that be why the disciples and Cleopas and his companion were so hesitant? No, they were, they were resistant to believing that Jesus would first have to suffer before he would enter his glory. Even though Jesus had told them over and over and over again. But why were they resistant? I mean, maybe because it didn't fit their plan. They wanted their land back. They wanted to be on the top of the heap. They were tired of being at the bottom. And they had waited a long time. And they wanted it, and they wanted it now. But that wasn't God's plan. And they knew scripture. But they, had, they were comfortable. They were satisfied with a limited understanding of scripture. And I wonder if maybe we're a little bit like that today, too. Like, for instance, should we be surprised by anything that we see on the news today? Anything? Because our holy book, our scriptures, tell us to expect it. Wars, rumors of wars, cultural wars, false prophets, false idols, floods, earthquakes, pestilence, famine. It's all in here. So should we be surprised? No. Should we we be ready? Absolutely. But we should also be together. This passage of scripture, it nears its end around verse 33, where it says that Cleopas and his companion, they got up. They got up. 
And they left the safety and the security of Emmaus with hearts on fire, fueled by a a Bible study, a, a, a journey through Scripture where their questions were answered, and now they were emboldened with those answers in order to go back that same day, travel those same seven miles throughout the night in order that they could be with their brethren in Jerusalem so that they could share the good news of their journey with Jesus. And so, friends, I think it's our turn. I think it's our turn that we need to abandon the safety and security of our limited understanding of Scripture, and we need to come together, open the coffers of our fears, our doubts, engage in conversation, ask one another provocative questions, in order that our hearts can be set on fire and so that we can go out into a broken world and offer help, hope, and home so that we can share the good news of our journey with Jesus. Amen.